Hi, you're listening to WRBH Radio 88.3 FM. This is your host of New Orleans by Mouth, Chef Amy Sims. And here in the studio today, I have Chef Jacob Curitan from Atchafalaya Restaurant. How are you doing today, Chef Jacob? I'm wonderful. How are you? Very well. So do you go by Jake, Jacob? Well, I go by Jacob. My dad goes by Jake. Ah, so, uh, so you're one of those, right? Yeah, I'm one of those. My, my husband you. is, too. He's, he's George's dad's Rick, you know. They had to... Uh, they had to change those names around, too, or else it gets too confusing in the household. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, y'all, I um, for our listeners out there, I asked Chef Jacob to come on because he's been with Atchafalaya for, like, almost a whole month. Oh, and no. it's so <laughs> exciting um, whenever we get to see chefs change to new places, um, kind of embrace what the previous chef had on the menu and then start to make a few changes. But... Um, I have to ask you, Chef Jacob, because I was going through your whole, uh, I guess, bio, and I'm like, all right, so this Chef Jacob guy, he's been working in New Orleans for a long time, but he's from Alabama. Yep. So tell me about that. How's a <laughs> how's time. a good old boy from Alabama end up in New Orleans? Um, so my parents just like to move around a lot, and we lived in all over South Alabama around uh, Baldwin County growing up, and uh, spent a lot of time on the water, but... My parents found this beach house in Navarre, Florida, and we fell in love with it, and they ended up moving to Gulf, Gulf Breeze. And I started high school there, and then I ended up going to Gulf Shores High School the next year, and then De La Salle High School the next year. So it was three high schools in, like, less than two years. Wow. <laughs> How does that, for a kid who has to adapt to new high schools? I got used to it, I guess. I, you know, I, got, <laughs> I was the new kid a lot. You know, I, I can imagine. My parents ended up wanting to move there because my sister went to college here. My dad has been coming since the 60s, and they just fell in love with so many of the restaurants and, and uh, just love it. And we moved here back then, like 2001, and uh, then I dropped out of high school and went to culinary school. All right. Well, you know, and I, I hear that story. You know, I feel that there are a lot of people who take different paths to get into this industry, and some... I, you know, I've had chefs on that made a career change at 40. I've had chefs that started at 15. And then um, even the chefs that, like, have the engineering degree and go, I, yeah, I don't <laughs> want to do that for a living. I want to cook. So, yeah. I, you know, how did your parents take it when you said, okay, yeah, I'm going to leave high school. I'm, I'm going to be a chef, mom and dad. It was tough for them. But going back to what you were just saying, like, I was 16 when I went to culinary school. And there was a 65-year-old doctor who decided he didn't want to be a doctor anymore. He wanted to learn how to be a chef. And he wanted to, I mean, he'd saved up a lot of money, and he just wanted to be a chef and, and cook the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. I think that says a lot to how cooking is a passion, and it kind of yeah. calls to us. And at some point in our life, you know, it calls to us. And for you, it called to you early. Yeah, it did. Um, I actually took a class in high school and they had a culinary arts class it was like a new class and I really liked it so the next summer I, I dropped out I mean I went to uh, went to Alabama and I uh, worked in a Italian restaurant and that was my first restaurant job but I was like 16 years old and uh, no I'm sorry I was 15 and I was going and I was opening the whole restaurant every single day and turning everything on and the chef would show up like 30 minutes into service and I'd be in the weeds and, like, <laughs> try, and I got a, like, uh, 
really sharp taste of it, I guess you could say. Well, I can imagine that, you know, we know that the kitchen is full of adrenaline and full of excitement, but for like a 15-year-old, 16-year-old boy, like that almost had to be intoxicating to just be around that level of like energy, if that makes sense. There's so much energy, and I wasn't even in a fine dining restaurant. It was pretty fast-paced, 350 people a night, you know, 500 on the weekends, and, uh, and you know, 200 for lunch. So it was a big restaurant, and it was a lot of energy. But I was, like, overwhelmed, like, extremely overwhelmed <laughs> by everything. Like, how do I learn how to make all the sauces? Like, this doesn't make any sense to me, you know, and... You know, it takes years and years and years. One day it clicks and you, you kind of, you, you grab onto it. And, and it just happens. Yeah, but I remember that feeling of being so overwhelmed by, like, the vastness of culinary knowledge, you know. Well, did you, um, like, go home and practice? Did you cook for your family or did you just, you know, like, go to school and go to work? Well, before I started going to school, like, um, you know, I'd come home from high school or that summer, really, that summer that I started cooking in the restaurant was when I really started wanting to start cooking at home. My parents always cook at home. My grandma always did. So I went home and I made, like, I guess I looked through some recipe books and I kind of got an idea, but I had this feeling early on, I don't want to, like, follow a recipe. I want to, like, take it and use the create. base of it and then add whatever I want. So I made some, like, shrimp and crab cakes. And I, I don't even know what I did for a sauce, but it was really simple. <laughs> and, I took it to the restaurant the next day, and I made them there. And then the chef put it on as a special that oh, night and exciting. sold them all. So how I, awesome. It was, like, really exciting for a 16-year-old or 15-year-old. Well, yeah. and it kind of reinforces your decision. Hey, I'm going in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. You know, starting out with Italian cuisine and working in an Italian restaurant and and kind of bringing you to where you are today, are there, are there certain, like, cuisines or restaurant experiences that you look back and you go, this truly shaped me and how I look at food now? Um, I think mostly what shaped me right now, because I have so many different kind of influences from my childhood and stuff like that. I try to pull from nostalgic things in my past and, you know, chicken and dumplings is is probably my biggest dish, but I had one restaurant experience in New York, and it was completely different. It was a Che Galante's restaurant, and he, he was the chef of crew at the time, and I had did a, a project on him for our gastronomy class in, at the CIA, and um, I don't know, his food, like he was young. He started out like me. He was like 16 and dropped out, and he opened a pizzeria, and like I really, you know, liked the guy, and then I got to try his food, and he came out to our table like six times during the meal and like showed us and told us the story behind every single dish, and that really inspired me. So now I'm always trying to find a story like from my childhood, something happened with between my mom and I or my dad and I or my brother and my sisters, you know, something that happened, and I can tell the story to the guest when I'm at the table, and it really makes a big difference, and I think that makes you remember that food so much more than just like uh, eating something delicious and walking away. Yeah. I absolutely agree. I feel like as as chefs, as diners, um, we all want to connect with the food. And, uh, you know, this is a common theme that my listeners out there hear me say all the time because, we, you know, we talk farm to table and then we talk, you know, I feel like there are stories behind how the food got to the table that we don't know about. 
And a lot now our focus is on sourcing, but I think there's also that kind of, like you said, the nostalgia, mm-hmm. that family experience that is the reason why the chef is choosing the ingredients and the recipes that he's putting on the plate. Yeah, I think sourcing is huge nowadays. And um, I try to source things from, from people I like to buy from, you know, like they're doing the right thing, you know, when they're actually you know, raising the, the pigs and slaughtering them on their farm and then shipping them to us. Like, I, I love that, you know, because I know where I'm getting, I'm getting it from. It's not just some random thing. Yeah, and it's people and you trust. When when I was a kid, my dad and I would um go to the market every week. It was like every Sunday we'd go to this fresh market, on, and it was right on the edge of a farm in the middle of Fairhope. And um, they had green peanuts, and they were green. <laughs> like they just just pulled them out of the ground and they were still green and raw you could eat them raw and they would be like just absolutely delicious my, so what would y'all do you know, with them we put them in a pot and we boiled them alright so we had boiled spicy? peanuts spicy no alright no. oh, see, see that's the Alabama difference it is the Alabama <laughs> difference I don't like the crab boil in mine I really don't Um, I like salt I want a lot of salt in there and you know I'll put some mustard seeds in there and some ham hocks or something like that but, oh, I like uh, the idea of the yeah. ham hock. Just in makes it. that broth you know, yeah. good with it, you know. I like but, that. I might steal that. <laughs> <laughs> well, but yeah, we would put them on the pot, and my, like this wasn't a health code by any means. But um, my dad would start a pot, you know, Sunday, and then by Sunday afternoon they were done, and we could eat, start eating them. You know, if they weren't done yet, we just left them on the stove, turned it off, put the top on it. Next day, turn it back on, brought it to a boil, and. As long as you got it up to a boil, you're good, right? <laughs> and, yeah, we did that for two or three days sometimes with the peanuts. Like, it was just part of my childhood. We always had boiled peanuts in the house. And I think that's so. interesting, too, because, you know, I, I grew up with boiled cre- peanuts, you know, like spicy boiled peanuts. Mm-hmm. But I also grew up in the country, and I feel like in the city, there are kids out there who have never had this. true. This. And, um, you know what? You grew up... Like, a, Couple hundred miles away, yeah, two hundred miles from, and exactly. it's totally different food. And I feel like but we have the same ingredients. Yes, isn't that crazy how it's that still happens? Still Creole, you know. Mobile Bay is is totally Creole. I mean, I grew up going out, and uh, my job was to walk out on the pier and empty all of our crab traps into buckets, and we'd have probably eight to ten at a time. So that's a job, you know, as a little kid. I think I would be like six or seven. Slipping and sliding on the little pebbles. Opening the thing, trying to like pull the crabs out without them biting you. You know, and then and then I'd have to rebate all the traps with chicken backs and then put them all back and bring them back. And then uh, my mom and my grandma would boil the crabs and then sit on the front porch and pick all the crab meat and they'd make this salad I brought. Well, so tell me about the salad that you brought me. Is this something that you're... uh, This is... Adding to the menu, you're playing I'm with, already, or is this, is this secret? This is on the menu right oh, okay. now. All right. This so. is probably the this is the second thing I did there. First thing was I changed the cornbread. Okay. And, uh, I made a, a recipe similar to my dad's. Okay. But my dad doesn't put uh, corn in it, but I like to put corn in mine, so I put fresh corn in it, and we do a little like uh, Three Brothers cane syrup right over the Ooh. top, and uh, right after it comes out, so it kind of glazes over it. So are you a, do you use honey, sugar in your cornbread, or are you a not-sweet cornbread person? I use a little sugar, but okay. it's not to be sweet. I think it's just to balance it. Yeah. 
And I, I feel like there are certain things in life that um, people have very strong opinions about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The number one, I think, is potato salad. Everyone has their own opinion about potato I like mustard salad. Mine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm a Creole mustard, not a yellow mustard girl. <laughs> um, it, but I think that cornbread's another one. You know, mm-hmm. do you want the flat cornbread? Do you want the muffin? Do you want the corn in it? How do you feel about chunks of onion or jalapeno? Do you want honey or sugar? So it's. Uh, it's fun. I think it's fun to me to hear that it's, that was the first thing it's that It's like you Alabama fans and Auburn fans. <laughs> I mean, it's like that. And at my house, like my I like my mom likes sweet cornbread. You know, and of course I do. I just have a sweet tooth. So I don't like I'm not partial to both. I was kinda in the in the middle of everything, you know, growing up. I'm the youngest of six. And uh but my dad makes he does not put a drop of sugar in his okay. <laughs> he will not do it. But I grew up having his cornbread every single day. So I have lots of dishes that I kind of get inspired off of making cornbread and that memory of my dad. You know, he has a cast iron skillet and he gets it real hot and puts it in the oven. Then he pours bacon fat in it. It gets real hot. Then he pours the batter right into the bacon fat and it just gives its crust around the. Yeah, I need to come and have your daddy do some cooking (laughs) for me. It sounds like I need to come for brunch one day. (laughs) I'm bringing him in soon. He's going to. Teach everybody uh, his black-eyed pea recipe. I don't want to put it on the menu. Oh, I love that. I love that. Kind of bringing the whole family in. Yeah, I got my mom's West Indies on the menu now. and uh, So let's talk crab salad. Cool. So um, you have crab meat that you're picking. Yep. So they would sit there on the front porch and pick the crab meat all day, just relaxing. You know? And uh, we'd all be out in the front swimming and playing and getting into trouble. And then uh, my mom would then make the salad. And it was just, it was gone so fast. <laughs> like once, once. Uh, I don't think crab meat sits around no matter uh, what, right? So it's like a, it's a recipe. Uh, it originally comes from Troy, Alabama, um, which is close to Montgomery. I'm not exactly sure who made it first, but um, there's a restaurant in, in Mobile called Bailey's. Okay. Um, or I don't even know. I think it's still open. But, uh they were the originators of West Indies crab salad. Okay, apparently. so that's what like, it's called. You know, in a restaurant, so West Indies. Um, so our flavors that we're looking for when we're eating it, because it's clearly soaking in something. Yeah, it's uh, apple cider vinegar. Okay. And oil, salt and pepper, some chopped onions, and ice cubes. And ice cubes, and the ice mm-hmm. cubes is to keep that crab keep really it cold. cold. while you start to marinate it, and then it also dilutes the vinegar. I think that's a brilliant technique that our listeners should write down. Uh, Take note of that because, um, you know, one thing that you should always do whenever you're bringing seafood home is keep that seafood on ice. A lot of times I see people just throwing Mm -hmm. the shrimp or the crab meat in their home fridge and not putting it on ice. But this is brilliant. I wouldn't even put it past the guy who made the recipe, you know, that was probably on his mind to keep the crab meat lasting longer. Yeah. Because it's a restaurant. Mm-mm. Yeah, you gotta keep it around. Yeah, as fast as people all. can eat it. You gotta it. sell it all. <laughs> yeah, we make we we we've been selling about four or five pounds of this a day. Wow! Um, and so you're using um, lump. Can you do it with the claws? So my mom, you know, when we when where she's picking her own crab meat, you know, it's everything. So yes. it's the lump, and the, there's two jumbo lumps in every crab. So there's a few of those floating around. But um, so that was like the original, you know. The way my mom make it made it, but in the restaurant I like to use jumbo lump because I just think it's a beautiful salad, and they sit they sit really nice. And yeah, it, it kind of the vinegar kind of pulls the crab meat a little tighter, and you can see it 
but it takes away all the fishiness. If there was ever any, you know, w- there was none in this crab meat because yeah. I have a certain guy that I you get have from. a guy, yeah, yeah. It's the well, best. so here so. I'm a here's the interesting thing. I had a, a chef on the show back during the Christmas holidays, and we were talking about gadgets and things and how you know if you get on Facebook for too long, some ad for a gadget to cook with is going to come on. So what is your tool of choice when cleaning a crab and when cleaning the shrimp? What do you use? I use my teeth. Your teeth. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I mean, I but do. Yeah, I mean, I crush it. Your dentist loves you and, too, and, right? Yeah, I'm, this one's fake. So, I mean, they're all, all my front teeth are fake. I had a horrible accident when I was a little kid. Well, you yeah, know, I lost all these teeth there. I'm a I'm so, a fork girl for my shrimp. Mm-hmm. Um but I definitely feel that using my fingers for the crab meat, it, the you know, you got to I curl my finger like this and I grab up under the legs and I just do a little twist So in we'll the do whole a little shell. video of that and put it <laughs> I'll, I'll let him show you how he's doing his hands since you can't see that on the, the radio. The whole shell pops off like that. Okay, so I take mm. the fork between, like, along the back, underneath, yeah, like, by the head, the and I just run the last prong of the fork along it, mm-hmm. and then it takes that little vein out, and it snaps it, and then you pop it out. Yeah. But I I have not seen a perfect crab technique, and some somebody sent me this crazy thing that it was like a machine that you could put the crab in, <laughs> and it, like, spits out the crab meat, and I was like... Oh my gosh, all that beautiful crab meat has now been squished by a machine. Shredded. So, um, we have these these little pickers that we we used growing up. Like, we have a little cracker, and then we have this little, it's like a hook. It looks like a dentist hook. Yes. You know, like something they're going to scrape your teeth. In case you crack your tooth while you're eating the crab. Exactly. (laughs) But yeah, you can just kind of get in there and flip it around and pull the whole thing out. But I, I, I have to use my fingers and. As much as I can. When you're eating crab, you're supposed to get dirty. Yes, I agree. And I tell that to people all the time. I'm like, part of Don't wear your favorite shirt. Yes. I don't (laughs) think the chef would give you the tomahawk steak on the bone if he didn't expect you to get after it, Mm -hmm. right? They're not going to. I want to gnaw on the bone. I will pick it up. Yes. In the middle of Morton's. (laughs) They didn't send it out there for you not to eat it. So I feel the same way with, um, you know, shrimp and crabs and things where they're, you know, they're wearing their clothes and you got to take them off. There's a reason why they want you to get your hands dirty and involved in it. So, uh, and it tastes better whenever you get to make a mess with it. It does. So, well, this crab salad, you're serving it with pickles or you're serving it over lettuce. How are you serving it? We're serving it with fried green tomatoes. Oh, goodness gracious. That So that was my first change. They said that that dish hadn't been changed in about nine years. And um, it was not a bad dish, but it was, uh, they take the crab meat and they would heat it up in butter and a little bit of uh, stock. And yeah, I mean, that's nice. It's, it's hot buttered crab meat. Yeah. <laughs> but that, but Who doesn't like that? Especially as you're going into the summer, we have access that's to what, beautiful tomatoes right now. That's what I was thinking too, is, is also the summer to make it a little bit lighter. You know, you have these hot, heavy kind of fried green tomatoes, thick slice. And then um, we have a nice little salad on one side, and then we put uh, the crab meat on the other side. And then putting that like, cold pickled crab meat with the crunchy onions, it really just kind of like brightens that dish up a whole yeah. lot. You know? So are you a cornmeal or a flour guy? 
Personally, mm -hmm. I'm a flour guy, but right. we use cornmeal at for the that crunch because you're yeah. looking for well, some we have flour, egg wash, cornmeal, okay. or it's corn flour mixed with a little cornmeal. That's um, another thing that people are so. very particular about, and I think everyone has a different opinion about how their shrimp and their their tomatoes yeah. and their catfish should be battered. Like my fried chicken is going to be flour. Oh, yeah. absolutely. And my mom doesn't even do the double batter; she just goes right into the flour and lets it soak. Like pulls it out and let that stick and then drops it back in the flour again. Yes. So, and then it sticks on really, really nice. And, and it's so good. It's really mm -hmm. simple. My secret to fried chicken is after, and I learned this from one of the chefs who works with me, egg wash flour on a rack in the freezer for 15 minutes. It makes the egg stick and then mm -hmm. you don't get that like slide off of the skin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it has changed my life. <laughs> it's changed my life, and now I'm like, I have a fried chicken problem already, and I'm like, now that I've perfected it, this is not a good I thing. I make a chicken and dumplings dish. It's like a, you know, spinoff from my mom's, and I do uh, cold smoked chicken thighs. Ooh. Cold smoke them, and then uh, put them in equal parts buttermilk, like whole buttermilk, and uh, crystal hot sauce. Ooh, yum! Just let that soak for one day, and then you go straight into flour and deep fry it. And and I love the idea deep fried with chicken and dumplings because that's a different twist. Are you a white gravy, brown gravy? It depends. Okay. I mean, if I'm having chicken fried steak or country fried steak, you know. <laughs> but, well, so are um, your, is your dumpling gravy? I love both. You okay. know, but So I can't choose. Okay. Like, like the, I, it's a, I go to Joey K's, you know, on Thursdays they do the chicken fried steak with mac and cheese. And I, I love that place. I've been going there my whole life and. They do it with brown gravy, and I love it that way. But, you know, I've had it at other places with white gravy. but I don't think yeah. I've met a gravy that I don't like in general. Yeah. Uh, my my team at work laughs at me because I call any liquid on a plate that you can dip bread in gravy. And so I'm like, oh, that Bananas <laughs> that Foster sauce. gravy. Yeah, give me some of that Bananas <laughs> Foster gravy, you know, whatever. If I can dip a, a leftover piece of French bread in it. Technically, it qualifies as gravy. I call a lot of things juice. Juice, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it comes to meat. <laughs> All of that. Yeah. Well, um, I want to. We have just a few minutes, so I'm gonna take a little taste of this um, yeah, so. because I'm very curious, and it smells so delicious. And y'all, I can smell like that apple cider vinegar has that like really crisp aroma that. Um, I like that. I like vinegar. I like crisp in the summertime. I feel like it cleans my palate. I'm not sweating. I love it too. It's I nice. love citrus too. And I love uh, the vinegars. I brought some pickles too. Um, we got some local uh, cucumbers. They're uh, lemon cucumbers. Lemon cucumbers. And so, we put some lemon zest into the this rice. So, y'all, I'm going to taste this on the air because um, I have a pickle problem. My husband opens our refrigerator. And he's like, we have nothing but mustard and pickles. Um, but that, to me, you can have a whole meal on pickles, especially if you have a variety. But these lemon cucumbers are really pretty. They're light yellow. Um, they're thin, thin sliced, and I think that adds a nice touch, but they're still crisp. So I'm crunching on it. The lemon in there is delicious because lemon cucumber is not necessarily lemony. It's the mm -hmm. color of it, but... You get that crisp lemon zest in there. Mm -hmm. um, so I can see how that... It's got seasoned rice vinegar, so I didn't add any salt to it. It's and perfect. Then, um, it's got some just some regular granulated sugar because I didn't want to have a dark pickle because they're so pretty. Yeah. No, that's beautiful. I love it. And I'm going to stick my finger in here and taste this crab let me, meat. Let me pull a little. 
Well, it's really, y'all, it's not hard to find, like, the giant piece of jumbo lump, and I can just imagine how beautiful it is on the plate. And, uh... You gotta get some onion, too. I think I got it. Oh, y'all, that's delicious. I'm gonna need a peppermint after, but it's awesome. (laughs) And I love the, um, the finely diced onion in there so that it's not competing with the, uh, the size of the crab meat. So, Mm -hmm. it's fabulous. It's, uh... The onion, I think, makes the whole salad so my favorite part. Our listeners out there need to get over to Achafalaya to come see you, Chef Jacob. Um, how many days a week are y'all open? Every day. Every day. So there's no excuses. We do brunch five days a week. So the only day we're, days we're not open for brunch are Tuesday and Wednesday. All right. And then um, y'all also have that really fancy Bloody Mary bar. Yep. And I've redone, I'm redoing the pickle program and doing a lot more of these fresh pickles. So we have a whole fridge dedicated just to our, these fresh pickles. A man after my heart, so, a pickle fridge. So I, I find, you know, what I can get a good deal on in the local truck and, you know, and buy a bunch of them and we pickle it and put it in the fridge and that's what we're going to start putting out on the Bloody Mary bar. We got live music, you know, during the weekends for brunch and uh, always have some awesome bands in there. It's, and a, it's a lot of fun to walk. Make- I try to, like... You know, I, I got to work in the kitchen, but I try to get out and at least. <laughs> are you a dancing see. chef? <laughs> <laughs> Depends on how many I drink. <laughs> how many Bloody Marys are out <laughs> there? Uh, well, chef, um, I, I guess one more quick question is, you know, with y'all being open, having the Bloody Mary, berry, bleh, I can't even speak, um, all that <laughs> vinegar, uh, the Bloody Mary bar, and then a few little changes on the menu. Anything that we should look for in the upcoming season? Absolutely. Um we're going to have a lot of menu changes coming up. Um, right now I'm trying to build my foundation you know, and trying to, you know, get everybody on board and, and, you know, have the things the way I like them and, and pick some things where I like them. And, um, now we're going to start adding a couple new dishes every week. So this, this weekend we have a couple new dishes going on the menu. So awesome. You have to come out and check us out. And if you want to see them. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it because the menu looks delicious. And no, no. can you tell everybody where y'all are located, like how to find you? Yeah, we're at 901 Louisiana. We're at Louisiana Street in Laurel. Um, we're close in between Chapatulis and Magazine Street. So. And you can find them online at ochafaliarestaurant.com. So, mm-hmm. Well, thanks so much, Chef Jacob. It's been fun to chat with yeah, you. Thank you, uh, for, thank you for the beautiful jumbo lump crab meat and pickle uh, snack. Uh, <laughs> uh, that definitely balanced out my breakfast this morning. So, um, for this all was of, my breakfast. <laughs> that was your breakfast, <laughs> yes. Um, so, for all of our listeners out there, make sure you hit up a Chafalaya for the new menu, the Bloody Mary bar, some pickles, and all kinds of good stuff. And I hear that the uh, cornbread is spectacular. And uh, <laughs> thank you to Chef Jacob Curitan for joining me. You've been listening to WRBH Radio 88.3 FM. This is your host of New Orleans by Mouth, Chef Amy Sins. Until next time, ciao.